0: How's everyone doing? You okay? You're alive? You're right, surviving? Are you glad to be back? A little bit back? Isn't that nice? I'm so glad you guys are here. And we're glad that you are tuning in wherever you're watching form, uh right now. Um, I want to open up a passage of Scripture for us today that uh, really means something to me personally. Uh, it's a passage of Scripture I've been sitting with. For a while. It's one that actually has uh, meant a lot because of some of the things that I've been going through in the last sort of five to six months here in our city uh, and in my own personal life. Uh, But it's also one that I think holds some keys in it for how I think God wants us to reemerge and gather back together as a church, as we're planning to do that with our in person services next Sunday. The question in my heart, my soul is how is it that we should gather? How do we come back together? And there's a little bit of that happening right now with you guys in this room and those that are still watching online. But how is it that we are by the Spirit of God to come back? What does, in other words, church now look like? And I want to read this passage of Scripture and open up some things to us today. It's found in Mark chapter 2. I'm going to read from verse 1. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people had heard that he had come. Home, So many gathered there that there was no room left in his house, not even one outside the door. And so Jesus then inside preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing to him a paralytic carried by the four of them. Since they could not get into him uh, towards where Jesus was because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus. And after digging through it, they lowered the mat of the paralyzed man that he was lying on towards Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. All right. I want you to picture this scene. Imagine with me that you are somebody who lives in Capernaum in the first century and you've lived there all your life. Maybe you've lived there with your family your whole life. Now in those days in Capernaum, Capernaum was about 150 families strong in the first century. So roughly about 1500 people lived in this town, a pretty sizable town in this area of Galilee. And, And one person from this town A man called Jesus, who who you had heard of, had gone out from this town of Capernaum and started to do some stuff around all of Galilee, and he had become famous in the whole of Galilee. And you, living in Capernaum, had heard stories about this famous member of your community. And and he's gone out, and you hear the stories of what he's done. He's become a rabbi. He's teaching people. You hear stories about how he's actually not just teaching people about the kingdom of God, but he's doing miracles. Like like you've heard the stories about how he can command the waves, how he can multiply food to to feed people. And you've heard about the deaf that now can hear and the blind that now can see. And you're amazed that this one from your own hometown is going out to do this. And guess what? You've also heard that some people are calling him potentially the Messiah, the Son of God, the one that we had longed to hear and to witness and see come to save Israel. Could Jesus from your hometown be actually the Messiah? And now he's come back home. And he's gathered in his house and he's invited everyone from the town to come and hear him speak. And there you are sat there watching Jesus speak in this room. Can you picture it? I mean, mean, you're packed in there, shoulder to shoulder. This is pre-COVID times, okay? It is so packed in there that you can barely breathe and barely move. And everybody is sitting there, leaning in, listening to Jesus. And you're wondering, in Capernaum, in his hometown, will he do the same kind of miracles that you'd heard about in Galilee? And just as you're watching him and listening to him, you suddenly, out of the blue hear another sound. It's like a rustling sound, a scratching sound. And you're beginning to wonder, where's that coming from? And then suddenly out of nowhere, dirt begins to fall from the roof onto the floor. And everybody's like, what is going on? And everybody looks up, Jesus included And and you can see that there's a small little hole in the roof and there are these little fingers digging into that hole. And as they're digging, more dirt is falling into the middle of the room and there's a a bit of a noise happening and everybody's wondering and the, the hole's getting bigger and bigger and soon the hole is big enough that you can see four people's faces peering into the room. And they keep digging and they keep scratching and everybody's still looking. And suddenly, out of nowhere, it seems like a sheet covers the hole and the sheet starts to descend into the room. And you're all wondering, what is going on? And when that sheet gets to about your eye height as you're sitting there, you notice that it's not a sheet at all. It's a stretcher. And there's a man lying on that stretcher and he's paralyzed and that stretcher gets lowered all the way down from the four guys in the roof with ropes, just letting it down to Jesus's feet. And when the mat finally gets onto the ground with a thud, nobody says anything. There's silence in the room because you're wondering, what is Jesus going to do next? And whilst every eye is fastened on Jesus and no one is daring to breathe, Jesus looks up at the hole in the roof. And there are the four guys peering in looking really nervous. And as you are looking at Jesus, look at the four men in the roof. You think you see a glint of admiration in his eyes. And with a smile on his face, Jesus turns back down to the paralytic and he says, sons, your sins are forgiven. And everybody in that room is wondering, who is this one who has the audacity to forgive sin? Many in the room are amazed at his words. Some in the room are angry that he's claiming to have the ability to forgive others but you. You cast a little glance back up to that hole in the roof and the four faces peering in and you find a bit of glint of admiration in your eye as well. Can you feel it? I would love to have been there in that moment. I mean, if you could transport me to any time in history, I want to be right there in that moment at the time when that stretcher comes down and all of that takes place. It blows my mind because this story represents for us something that Jesus does here that he doesn't do in any other gospel story. This is the only moment where Jesus decides to heal somebody not on the basis of that person's faith, but on the basis of the four people on the roof's faith, nowhere else in the Gospels does something as audacious and as crazy as that take place. That Jesus would see their faith. In verse 5, let me, let me show you this in verse 5. It says this, when Jesus saw their faith, the Greek means the, five, the four that are peering in from the roof. When he saw their faith, he turns to the paralytic, forgives his sins, and then later on in the story, actually heals him of his infirmity because of their faith. That blows my mind. And not only does it blow my mind, but it shakes my theology. Because I come from a tradition. The vine is in a tradition in the church that you could call charismatic Protestant evangelicalism. And in charismatic Protestant evangelicalism, we have often taught that actually our healing and transformation comes when we have a little bit of faith. That if we could just believe that Jesus might be able to heal us, then actually we might be able to experience and find some of that healing and transformation in in our lives. And, And so it's been taught from the pulpits. It's been shared from the Bible studies. That as long as we have some faith, it can be small, If it's as small as a little mustard seed, God can move mountains. But if you want your healing and your transformation, if you want God to do something great in your life, you just have to have a little bit of faith. Can I have an amen? Mm. In this story, the man on the mat is not told to us to have had any faith at all. That Jesus heals because of the faith of a different group of people. And because of their faith, he decides to do something about the person on the mat. That blows my mind, shakes my theology, and invites me into this glorious idea that there is power in a group of people standing on behalf of somebody who is suffering or in need. I call this a community of faith. That there is something beautiful about a gathered group of people. This is why we wanted to invite 40 of you into this room today. Because I can't preach a message like this to just a camera. Even though there's a great community of people watching right now online. Hi, I wanted to do it in a room with a group of people because this message is about what it means for us to be a community of faith, that we get the great privilege as Christians gathered together in a church by church. Don't think building, think gathered community of people. The four people on the roof on that day were ecclesia, church together. And they're letting this person down and it's their faith that transforms the one who's on the mat. And that is such a beautiful reminder to us that when we gather as the body of Christ today, we should have the same expectation, the same community of faith amongst us, that if there is anybody in our community who's in need, oh, that we can grab the ropes of faith and be a part of what it is to let that person down to the feet of Jesus. You see, there is something prophetic and powerful about a, a group of people that are gathered together who get to stand in faith on behalf of the other something truly prophetic and powerful in that. And as we think about what it is for us to regather as divine church next Sunday, as we open up in-person services, I want us to come into that moment with the expectation and the mindset that says I get to be a part of something prophetic and powerful, that I get to come in and stand boldly in faith on behalf of the person standing next to me in the service that I don't even know. But it's okay that I don't know them because I know Jesus sometimes heals the other on the basis of the community's faith. Are you with me? I want to share two important lessons that we get from this story that I think are so important for us at the Vine in this time of our history. Here's the first one. This story teaches us something really important about what it is to serve the people around us. And as we think about regathering next Sunday, this has to be in the center of what we're thinking about, that we get to do church. And by doing church, what that means is that every single person is a contributor to the reality of the faith in that community. That no one is anonymous. No one is left out. No one can just come in, slip into a pew and be there and slip out. That every single one of us has something important to contribute and add. See, The vision of the New Testament church, of what church is like in the New Testament, is not one or two or a a small group of paid professionals doing all of the ministry work on behalf of everybody else. It's not about those that hold a title, pastor, who are the ones who get to serve everybody else. No, the, the picture in the New Testament is a community serving a community. It's one another serving one another. That's why I got you today to sit like this. You're facing into one another. Normally at the vine, we get you all to face forwards like this, right? Where you're facing the one or two up on stage. Today, you're facing one another. Why? Because you're just like what it would have been like to be in that room in Capernaum in that moment. But also, you're prophetically signaling what it's like to go, these are my community of faith. And we get to stand together together. Like those four guys on the roof. And if there is anybody in need, Acts chapter 2, the early church, nobody was in need. Why? Because everybody contributed something towards those that needed it the most. And as we think about reopening at the vine, we must have the mindset, is anybody in our community in need right now? Because if they are, no matter how helpless they feel, no matter how hurt they might be, no matter how broken it is, no matter how on the stretcher, they are not alone because I'm on the roof and I'm going to take up my responsibility and let down the ropes of faith and get that person to Jesus. See, if you are a part of the vine, this is my expectation on you, that you would consider yourself a part of the community of faith. Now you get the opportunity, the privilege to partner with others in letting people down to the feet of Jesus. Imagine what it would be like if we regather next week with that mentality. That's a church I want to be a part of. Here's the challenge though. We know that that's what Christ calls us to, this beautiful community of faith. The challenge is If I put myself in that moment in Capernaum, would I have been on the roof? Hmm. I don't know about you, but if I had been in Capernaum on that day, I think I would have been sat there in a chair. And I would have been sat there in a chair, leaning forward, wondering what Jesus was going to do. And I would have been a part of the crowd. And when I heard that rustling, I would have looked up at the sky and seen that hole in the roof. I would have seen the stretcher being laid down. I would have seen it being placed at the feet of Jesus. I would have wondered whether Jesus was going to be angry, upset, or whether Jesus was going to react. I would have looked back up into the room. I would have seen those four faces. And I would have thought to myself, wow, what amazing faith they have. And I realized that when I think about that story and I think about myself, I am incredibly convicted by the questions that that story asks of me. Here's the question. Am I someone who would dig a hole in the roof to get a friend to the feet of Jesus? Or am I merely a spectator of somebody else's great faith? When it comes to helping others, am I a passionate digger or a passive distant observer. Come on, church. Think about it. If I had been there and I had heard some people talk about, hey, why don't we go up on the roof and why don't we dig a hole and whilst Jesus is speaking, we'll we'll, we'll get a stretcher and we'll we'll, we'll let this guy down and we'll put him right at the feet of Jesus because Jesus could heal him. I would have been there going, hey, guys, 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 hey, um, I, I don't know if that's such a great idea. I mean, have you thought about it through? I mean, this is Jesus. We don't want to upset him. You know, He's here to teach all the people. We're going to make such a mess. This is his house. How are we going to pay to repair the hole? Look, there's policies about this sort of stuff. There's way too much risk. What if we do this? Health and safety is going to be on us if we make such a mess in this place. I am not going to get involved in this, guys. I just think it's a bad idea. I realize. Come on, church. I realize. I realized that the paralytic would not have wanted me for a friend. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It's never been so dangerously easy to be a spectator than right now. And as we reopen next week, the danger is, now we can only have 30%. But the danger is we get 30% of spectators in this room. I don't want any spectators anymore. We are living in a time of Hong Kong's history where we can no longer afford to have spectators in the kingdom of God. We we have such an important thing to be doing in the body of Christ in the next number of years in this city that we love. It is our time to realize that we need to be on the roof digging and not on a chair observing the power of God's kingdom. It's our time to think that if we are going to be making a difference as a church in such an important hour of Hong Kong's history, we need to be asking ourselves, are we going to be sitting in the room or digging on the roof? That's the first thing we learn from this story. Here's the second thing. While there's absolutely no room for any spectators anymore, we also have to realize that sometimes we will be the guys on the roof But also sometimes we'll be the person on the stretcher. And one of the great things about church, about gathering together, about being the body of Christ, is that we need to recognize that there are seasons in our lives when we will be one or the other of those people. There's going to be seasons in your life where you're the people on the roof where you are filled with the Spirit of God, where God is saying something to you. You feel alive. You've been reading your scriptures. You've been doing your personal spiritual devotions. You've been coming to the church and worshiping. You're feeling like the Holy Spirit is like a, a wind behind your back. And you know that you're filled with faith and hope and expectation on behalf of the other. And it's like you've got those ropes in your hand and you're letting down people in the church before the feet of Jesus. If you're in one of those seasons, here's my word for you, fan- into flame what the spirit of God is doing in your life. Like lean into that season. The church needs you. It needs the ones on the roof. It needs the ones digging holes and preparing the stretchers and letting the people down. And if that's you, then don't bury what it is that God's doing in you. Let it out. Like I said last week with the Easter Sunday sermon, right? Roll up your sleeves, get your palette of paint and start making a difference on that canvas. This is your time. But there will be seasons where you will be overwhelmed, where you'll struggle, where you'll find things really hard, you'll be in mourning and pain, where things will be going on that are really tough in your life, and you'll feel like you have absolutely nothing to give. You'll have seasons where you're on the stretcher. And if that's you right now, here's my word of encouragement to you. Don't fight the stretcher. See, as Christians, we often think that our only role is to be on the roof, digging the holes. But the reality is sometimes life is hard. Just because we know Jesus doesn't mean we're guaranteed the perfect life. Sometimes things are difficult and hard and we have to weather the storms of life. And we've all experienced some of those storms lately, haven't we? The problem is there's often little space in the church to go, I'm on the stretcher. And we think that we have to pretend that we're not on the stretcher. Or if we are on the stretcher, our tendency is to think that we have to privatize that experience. In other words, we don't want to let anybody in public, anybody in the church know that I'm really struggling right now. Imagine if the paralytic that day had said, I don't want to bother Jesus in a public moment. Imagine if he said, no, 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 I, I just want to keep this private. I guess Jesus can heal me from a distance. It doesn't matter. I'm not going to tell anyone about it. I'm just... The paralytic was willing to have his infirmity on display before everyone to see. Now, that doesn't mean that we hang out our dirty laundry to everybody all the time. But it does mean that we have the courage to be honest about where we're at in our faith. That we're able to, in the space that we've created, because we are a community of faith, to recognize that when I'm on the stretcher, I'm not going to fight that stretcher equally. I'm not going to allow the enemy to privatize my pain. But I'm actually going to realize that the very hope that there is for me when I'm on that stretcher is that God has planted me in a church where there are still some people on the roof. And this story tells me that I have hope when I'm on the stretcher. That even if I haven't got a prayer, even if I don't know what to say, even if I feel like I can't even get to church on Sunday, I don't even want to do it, I've closed the curtains, I've cut myself away, that I know that there are faithful brothers and sisters where the wind of the Spirit is behind their back, and they're praying, and they're doing the work, and Jesus, with a glint of admiration in His eyes, sees their faith and heals me, comforts me, Comes down and helps me in the midst of what I'm going through. We're either on the roof or we're on the stretcher. And part of the beauty of the community of faith is to recognize which and respond. So, as we close, I want to challenge you. Where is it that you find yourself in the story today? Be honest with yourself. Do you find yourself sitting as a spectator when it comes to the vine, when it comes to the kingdom of God, when it comes to your faith? Do you find yourself that distant observer of the kingdom of God? Or are you the one who's on the roof with those ropes of faith in your hand, feeling the wind of the Spirit on your back, lowering people Jesus? Or... Are you the one on the stretcher today, who realizes that you haven't got a lot to give, but equally you have enough courage to make it public? If you're the one who's sitting on the chair, hear this today, it's time for you to wake up and get out of the shadows. I'm gonna say that again, if you're on the chair, if you're a spectator, if you're wanting to remain distant, if you want an anonymous Christian life, Hong Kong is not the place for that. Wake up and get out of the shadows. If you're the person on the roof today, I wanna encourage you to stir up prayer in you, to stand as an intercessor in this house, to bring all the needs of this church, whether you know them or not before the Holy Spirit and ask him, how can I be praying for my people, my community, the vine church in this time, in this hour? What does that look like? Fan into flame if that's you on the roof. But if you're on the stretcher today, I want you to realize That it's okay to rest at the feet of Jesus. That you don't need to pretend to be someone that you're not. You don't need to stir up some fake faith in you. That it's actually okay to say that I'm not sure if I've got faith right now. Because you are a part of a group of people that do and that will and that will stand and will help you and walk with you and journey with you. Literally, just as we started the service today, I got a WhatsApp from one of our congregation members. His name's Mark Opostovich. And his wife, Julie, has been struggling with cancer. And this morning she was rushed uh, in an emergency into the hospital. She's been struggling with pneumonia uh, and she's fighting for her life right now. She's somebody who's on a stretcher. And I wonder whether we in this room right now and those that are watching online right now, those that recognize you're on the roof, that we might rise up and pray for this family right now. Wouldn't that be great. So I wonder whether you guys would stand with me. And if you're at home, I wanna encourage you just to lean into this prayer time as well. And I'm gonna pray for Julie and for Mark. And then I'm gonna pray for the rest of us as we respond to the message today. Father, we just stand right now on behalf of this family. Lord, we pray for Julie, who's literally on a stretcher right now, who, Lord, has been rushed into the hospital as we've been doing this service, who's a part of this community of faith, who's been a part of this community of faith for many years, who's been in a cancer journey, is struggling with pneumonia right now. Lord, as the community of the Vine Church, we stand on the roof and we lower Julie before the feet of Jesus right now. And we pray in the name of Jesus, Lord, you would come and you would move and you would have your way over Julie, over Mark, that you would bring your spirit of rest of redemption, of restoration, and of life for this family right now. Lord, we pray that you would be with the doctors and the nurses, those that are at work healing and restoring and redeeming her. We pray, Father, for calmness and peace over the wider family. And Lord, we stand as a community on behalf of Julie and Mark, and we lift them before you right now in the name of Jesus. Just take a moment. Church, as you're watching this, just take a moment now to think about yourself. Are you a spectator? Are you on the roof? Are you on the stretcher? If you're a spectator, it's time to move. If you're on the roof, it's time to pray. If you're on the stretcher, it's time to reach out in honesty this week and let somebody know and invite them to stand over you in faith. Let me pray for you, Lord, whatever it is whichever of these three perspectives we are today. We come in this moment, Lord, as we prepare as a community of faith to reopen together next Sunday, as we prepare to be a church gathered together again. Lord, we wanna do so off the back of the inspiration of Mark chapter 2. Lord, we want to be a caring community, a loving community, a community standing on behalf of the broken and the hurting and the vulnerable amongst us. Lord, we want to be an honest community that is able to put our hands up and say, I'm on the stretcher today. Lord, we want to be a church of faith, Lord, standing on behalf of those that are struggling with their faith, Lord. We want to be a church, Lord, that has something to say to the issues of our city and our society in this time, Lord. Lord, we want to be active, the people of the resurrection, Father. And so we pray, Lord, wherever it is, for the spectators, I pray that your spirit would challenge them to rise up. Lord, for those on the roof, I pray that you would give them an intercessor anointing in this hour and in this time. For those on the stretcher, Lord, I pray release of rest over them. To not try to be something they're not, but to rest in the hope that is found being embedded in the community of faith. Lord, we thank you for this. We release it over us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Everyone says.